helping to redefine that cultural identity here in Kansas City. I mean, you ask Bob Kendrick any of these stories that he can just rattle off so flawlessly, and it makes you think of a different city. And it's like, no, that was actually Kansas City. This is soaked into the soil of the city. And so um, really just want to enhance that cultural identity here in Kansas City. That was Kimmett Coleman, and this is Guild Stories. Welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I am Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we will explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Welcome back to Guild Stories. I've got Kemet Coleman today, and I'm like, um, kind of feel like a... Uh, fanboy here. <laughs> <laughs> what's up? What's up? Uh, grateful to have you, man. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, super thrilled to be here. I, I'm not sure the the proper way to like intro you because you are a man of many talents and many projects. Yeah, and um and, and so maybe I'll let you do it. Like, uh, t- tell us uh, tell us who you are, man, and what you're up to. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would just. You know, I'm trying to be the creative director of Kansas City, basically. (laughs) I love that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, uh, urbanist, musician, entrepreneur, brewery owner, um, you know, artist, visual artist. Just, you know, at the end end of the day, like I'm an artist, but um, but I've, you know, Mm. I've acquired, uh, you know, some information along my way and my path and I've uh, Mm. been instilled with a sense of... uh, of agency and justice with my parents and, and, um, and things of that nature. So all that mixed together makes Kimmet. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you, you and I don't know each other. Well, our, our team has started to work with you and mm-hmm. on a, on a cool project or we're, we're not, we haven't hit play on yet for the world, but, um, I, I just, man, like your character, your presence, your energy, mm-hmm. uh, Alex and Jeremy, who got to kind of put some microphones and cameras in your face and yeah. follow you around on your creative director of KC tour. Um, <laughs> uh, actually ties in directly to that project, which is cool. But, yeah. but they were, they were blown away, man. Like, That's cool. like Kim, it's so genuine. He's so real. He's, he did such a great job. He was humble, all the things. So um, anyway, man, thanks from a work standpoint, really grateful yeah. for your, your help. Love that opportunity. That was really cool. If I could do that every day, I could. I would. <laughs> We're working on it, man. Let's do yeah. it. Um, wind us back to kind of the beginning. You mentioned mom and dad already. I know you're from KC, born and raised. But uh, tell us about, yeah, growing up here and, and yeah. uh, your love of KC. And then we'll keep going. Okay. Yeah, I grew up uh, around 75th and Truist here in Kansas City. And um, my mom and dad were uh, not from Kansas City. They were um, from the from the South. My dad was from Mississippi. My mom was from New Orleans. They met in New Orleans uh, and uh, eventually moved to Kansas City. My dad took a, a, a job here in Kansas City as a assistant U.S. attorney um, <clears throat> here in Kansas City. And so um, it, once he uh, basically left that position he opened up his own practice and became a civil mm-hmm. rights attorney Whoa. uh yeah sole practitioner civil rights attorney here in kansas city and then my mom um after raising us for you know maybe six or seven years uh decided to uh um, work at a nonprofit uh that was called youth motivation services program and she would essentially line up kind of uh local celebrities to speak to children to motivate them in schools basically so i grew up with uh, that mix of you know that type of um uh, environment and then later when I turned about 10 I want to say 
could be wrong here. My, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my dad came home and said, I'm a preacher. And Whoa. I was just like, oh, okay. That's Whoa. cool. <laughs> Went from U.S. assistant attorney to preacher. Well, he did okay. it. Yeah, exactly. So he, he, he kept his law practice and then, uh, awesome. you know, also uh, like had a vocational type. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. He got, so we got a church in Butler, Missouri. Uh, it was an AME church, African Methodist Episcopal is the only uh, black church in Butler, Missouri. And I think it had one member, Dang. but there were about nine people that would show up every two weeks. <laughs> Where's Butler? Uh, it's about an hour south of Kansas City. Okay. If you okay. go down 71, okay. it's like yeah. past Harrisonville. And, okay. Yeah. So did, did y'all move? Did he commute? Like what was we, the... Yeah. So we went to that church every two weeks. Okay. Uh, every second Sunday or every other Sunday, essentially. Man. Yeah. Yeah, S- sibling. You said they raised you, like what? Yeah. Or y'all siblings? What was that? I had two. I have two brothers. Okay. Yeah, okay. and they're ten and eleven years older than me, so I was definitely the baby. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's helpful context. Yeah, man. So how did how did your you know the the post ten ten year and on journey like what was mm-hmm. um you know high school and beyond like and what what did you start getting into and f- start mm-hmm. to find your interests and. I'm sure all this kind of ties back to art at some point. So I'd be curious. Most definitely. Yeah. Maybe it comes from New Orleans, from your mom. Honestly. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I mean, it's such an amazing city. It's my second or third, probably my, I would say it's my second home. My third, my, really? it's, it's tied with St. Louis. Cause my, mm. my dad actually grew up in St. Louis. Mm. He was born in Mississippi. He grew up mm. in St. Louis. So we would go there more often. Um, but you know, I would, I would say they're parallel as far yeah. as my second home. So that's awesome. So yeah, New Orleans, definitely an influence, but you know, we, we traveled a lot as a family, um, my dad made it a point to go to uh, this convention called the National Bar Association Convention. Mm. So we would go to um, that convention every year, and it would be our family vacation, essentially. So Did it rotate cities, or were yeah, it always, like, always in Orlando or whatever? Okay, Different cities every year. We would drive, usually. Yeah. Uh, we we started out driving uh, 87 Acura Legend with all five of us, <laughs> and then we kind of outgrew that, and then we eventually got a van, uh, Dodge awesome. Dodge van, and then... Traveled the world. We went to every state except for really, yeah, except for Maine. Yeah, we even went. We drove to uh, Alaska. No way. Yeah, and we hit a moose. <laughs> yeah, we almost. Oh, we were almost drove over to Alaska. Yeah, we had That's to catch. A haul, man. We had to catch a ferry in like some I forget where Washington or something. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so you know, so growing up, I used to see a bunch of cities, and then when we'd come, mm. when we'd go drive into those downtowns, my parents would be like, "Oh, that downtown looks so much cooler than Kansas City's," mm. and. You know, and, and it was then, and, and it probably yeah, was KC when you were growing up, and I know you're younger than me, but yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, downtown KC wasn't as cool then as it, it is exactly. the one we know today, right? That's right, that's right. So, you know, but you know, as hearing that as a child, you know, as someone who was first generation Kansas City, and my, you know, they weren't from there, I was just like, okay, that's my city though, like mm-hmm. you know. So eventually, that got kind of old, and um, you know, I eventually grew grew a desire to help improve, you know the city and specifically downtown Kansas city. So, you know, that's kind of what, what was going on, like, you know, in the summer times and stuff, but you know, year round, I grew up in Kansas city public schools. I would walk to school, uh, went to Marlboro elementary and then, and then I took a year and went to a private school at Scion lower. Um, and then eventually went to, um, Kansas city middle school of the arts, which is basically cool. Paseo middle yeah. and then went to Raytown high school. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Go, um, Blue Jays, right? Raytown? Blue Jays. Yeah, yep. okay. That's right. Yeah, my buddy Brian went to Raytown. I, I get Ray South and, and Raytown confused. Every, Raytown South Cardinals, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. I knew it was a bird. Yep. Um, that's <laughs> awesome, man. That, yeah. What was post-high school like? Uh, post-high school, you know, I, um, I I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I, 
I could never answer the question, what do you want to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I never answered yep. that question. It was yep. a fireman. It was a baker. It mm. was, mm. you know, like an artist. It was pretty much everything yeah. I was interested in. So, um, you know, that, so I, I knew that music was something that I was heavily into. And I started doing music late middle school. Um, and so I went to college um, and uh, went to UCM. They had a music tech program. Cool. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, kind of training for being an audio engineer, mm. which I've been doing for a while. But um, so went to UCM for a year, partied a lot, didn't really <laughs> do well. In fact, I did horribly. Was to like, be clear, I, did that. <laughs> yeah. So I moved back to Kansas City and was okay. like, all right, let me just settle down a little bit. I hit Pine Street up way too much in, in Warrensburg. <laughs> so uh, I went to UMKC and then I took, uh, I was a theater major actually, but mm. one of my general education classes was urban studies. And so when I took that class, I was like, oh, this is it. This is like, if I'm going to be a major, like, this is my major. Mm. So mm. that's pretty much where I went. And, you know, I took uh, several courses there and almost got finished, but I didn't finish uh, finished college because I had my other projects going on. So it's like, I was just ready to jump into the market. That's awesome. So, so how did you jump in? Like, did you get full-time job? Did you start? The, I, I know the music piece has been consistent for a long time. So mm-hmm. how did you start, like, cobbling together? income and career and what would that look like yeah um you know really music kind of held me down for a while just doing live performances and recordings and voiceovers and whatever i could get honestly just kind of whatever came came in and whatever i could muster as i was going out there um but i took a big i took a lot of mix of jobs you know i had a part-time job at pf chang's um for several years and actually one my uh, manager at pf changs is now going to run uh the brewery that we're working no on way. Yes. that's cool <laughs> yeah exactly that's so cool. So it's really uh, really cool um but yeah i worked at pf changs and then uh worked at boulevard brewing company mm. in 2013 mm. um after boulevard i had a child worked at bnim architects and doing marketing yeah. yeah yeah and then i worked at a marketing agency called brands that speak um then after that i uh what else did I do after that? <laughs> did a lot of things. Yeah, I had yeah. a lot of little, little jobs here and there, but, you know, I was never a desk job person. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of, um, you know, I, I, if those people that employ me are listening, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's kind of faking faking that funk, you know, really just needed that money. <laughs> and I didn't want to just settle. Yep. Yeah, I didn't want to just settle for any any job. Like, I wanted to work at these places. Like, Boulevard, boom. Like, And that was a great one because, like, I didn't have to sit at a desk. Like, I could actually be... You know, I was doing tours and selling stuff and, and learning about beer. That was cool. And then at the marketing, uh, I'm sorry, at the architecture firm, that was also awesome because. You learn a different industry. Exactly. Yeah. And marketing and and, yeah. in, and and architecture, completely different mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. like marketing for, a, at an agency. An or at, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Or an IPA, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was, yeah, took a lot of different little gigs here and there. That's great. Tell me uh, about your first live music performance like what that what was that like bro yeah so i would say my first like show where actually like i was Mm -hmm. booked for a show was at the um the um god i forget the name of the place now it's a bruce r watkins cultural center off of blue park or i guess it's martin luther king boulevard now but um yeah i was nervous i was big time nervous in fact i grew up as a very shy kid um you know uh one of the things that people know about me growing up is like oh kimmy was quiet he was quiet, but um, like if you talk with him, he would just keep talking, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that run, kind of runs in my family, and my brothers are kind of the same way. Mm. Um, but anyway, so mm. you know, as a shy kid going up on that stage, I thought I was gonna die. 
<laughs> but I want, but I, I really wanted to get over that fear. Like I got, I, I, that fear helped me back so much. And, you know, um, so, you know, when I, when I did that first gig, I just said, all right, I'm doing this. Like, I don't care how scared you are. You're just going to do it. No one else is going to think it's bad. It's whatever. So um, I did that with a partner of mine who's actually one of the editors at GQ now. Oh, no His way. name is Mark Green. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, we had a little rap group called The Royals. <laughs> yeah. D.A. Royals with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. When in doubt, change the S to a Z. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's great. It was fun. That's great. Um, you, you like subtly wove in there that you had a kid along the journey. Like what's the family life? For you now and tell me about being a dad we got a family big time now it's a family of five mm. um my uh, youngest is five my daughter is mm. seven um and my uh oldest is 13 my stepson mm. so yeah we uh yeah we um tried to figure out how to be these artist types with kids it's it's definitely interesting um it's been a been a bumpy ride we've learned a lot but uh mm. we're at a really nice place now so mm. I'm, I'm not too i'm glad we took that took those that journey and got to where we are my wife is also um entrepreneur and, yeah. an, and an artist as well. She owns uh, a uh, a co-working co-working space for salon professionals. Oh cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so we kind of help each other and Yeah. Um she's she's been great. She's yeah. been a great influence on my on my career and my life. That's so, great. Yeah. Um you I think it was in 16 if my research uh remembers correctly, but t- 2016 2017 mm-hmm. Streetcar mm-hmm. gets launched. You write this I think you wrote it, wrote mm-hmm. the song and yep. the and the music and the whole thing. Yep. Um, tell me about that song. Tell me about that experience. Uh, I think, you know, our kids, your kids, mm-hmm. at some point we'll look back on this time and be like, man, we didn't have public transportation until that thing. We didn't, right. have, we didn't have a bridge that connected the east to the west. Like, uh-huh. I think the, the stuff that you're involved in right now mm-hmm. will be pieces that our city will look back on in generations and be like, wait, what? Yeah. We didn't have a downtown Right. Baseball. Right. Right. Um, they get to enjoy that. Yeah. So like, without it. What, what, what did, uh, 2016 and the, that, that song and that experience, what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, so when I went to UMKC and changed my major to urban studies, um, I discovered so much about Kansas city history. And one of those things was about the, how robust the, the streetcar system was here in Kansas city. It was like the third largest streetcar system in the country behind like Chicago or San Francisco, um, and so I heard, I heard that. I'm like, I don't see any trace. I barely see any trace of this rich history. Um, and so when I heard about the streetcar coming, I got really excited. So I reached out to them and said, hey, I don't know how I can help, but if there's anything I can do, uh, let me know. Um, and then uh, when they, you say reached out to who? Yeah, I reached out to someone. The, the only person I knew who was like on the board of the uh, I think it was called the Streetcar Authority at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his name was David Johnson. Um, and now he's with Rod Casey. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I Facebook messaged him and said, hey, is it is it cool, like, if I do a, a song for this uh, streetcar project? And he's like, heck, yeah. So <laughs> so then he told me. Great uh, idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, I could make, like, a I could make like a streetcar song, or I could make a song that's dope that, like, we can, <laughs> like, loop into the concept. <laughs> he's like, let's go with that yeah, option. Option two, please. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So... So I, I, you know, I really just made it like a, made a, you know, funky, upbeat, hip hop, soul song, kind of like, uh, I think um, it was also pretty, it was pretty influenced by like uh, Uptown Funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that just came out at the time. Um, so I was like, all right, Kansas City can totally do this, you know. And then when I said I'll do the song, I was like, all right, well, we got to do a video. And so they let me rent or not rent, but they basically gave me a streetcar for a day. 
And um, we got to get on it before anybody else, you know, no public was on it or anything. So we were just rolling around the streetcar with our video crew. And I had the, <laughs> the musicians on the songs yep. dressed up as uh, streetcar workers. And um, so, yeah, we were just rolling up and down the hill trying to dance <laughs> going up these hills and, like, losing our balance. And it was crazy. It was an, it was a it's an amazing it? song. And yeah. The video is amazing too. It's just, Thank you. yeah, that's cool. I, I hadn't heard that st- the, the full story. And the reason I asked like the specifics around who, I think mm-hmm. there's this like, we're, we live in such a fun and weird time where you can kind of reach out to whoever you want. Yeah. On lots of different methods. Yeah. And, and, and yet there's still this, I think apprehension and this um, belief at times that, you need to be like picked or given yeah. permission or uh-huh. invited in. And it's like, no man, like David didn't think about having a kick-ass streetcar video, Yeah, but you brought the idea to him. You initiated it. You took the, you took that kind of brave, vulnerable first step. Yeah. And at the risk of him being like, that's a terrible ass idea. Right. Right. Yeah. But it, it wasn't mm-hmm. number one. And I, I don't know David, but it sounds like a, a neat guy who, yeah, who, who opened the door to something that, that was maybe, bigger than what you even thought it would he be. He really did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I had done something similar at UMKC. Um, cause that's my alma mater. And I wanted like the team to have a song to like walk out to on basketball games and like, you know, uh, all the sports activities and stuff like that. So, uh, I wound up doing a song for UMKC called golden blue. And, um, I realized how important that song was, you know, to that, uh, um, to that, um, team. And, you know, I think to this day, they actually walk out to that song still. Um, and so, you know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, we can apply that to pretty much any other, like, concept that needs, needs you know, it needs to be connected to, you know, the common person, really. Because that was the thing I, I noticed a lot about a lot of Kansas City projects. Is like, I'm interested because I'm an urbanist, and mm. I went to college and studied this stuff and really enjoy this and really want to see it come bounce back. But, like, how do you break that down into bite-sized pieces for people to understand so the streetcar could have been you know it could have been like cleveland streetcar you know like it couldn't it could it could have been just uh you know like blah but yeah, yeah. you know now that we have we have a streetcar song it blew you know the streetcar up that much more like you know the city lab did it and the atlantic did an article on it i think they called it like way better than any <laughs> like streetcar song should ever be or something it's <laughs> like oh that's cool so yeah i was just trying to find ways to really that's like awesome. make kansas city like see itself in a different in an artistic way in a creative way uh, because we see New York that in that way all the time. We see L.A. in movies all that time, all those times in Atlanta and bigger cities. And we just need to see a reflection of ourselves, I think, uh, so that we can see how cool we are. Man, that's well said. That's beautiful. I love how you frame that up. Um, your, the, the song, the production, the music production piece, mm-hmm. all, all starts with a thought, a concept, and a, and a written word to some degree, I'd mm-hmm. assume. I don't know your process. That's what I'm about to ask. Sure. Um, what is your, because we're, we're kind of storytellers and writers at heart yeah. here, and it takes the form of video or websites or lots of different things. Yeah. Um, but it always starts with kind of an idea, a concept, a story, mm-hmm. a, a chicken scratched, like, ah, yeah. drawing, right? Yeah. I just, I would love to hear your artistic process. How do you approach art how do you approach music how do you approach writing how do you approach creation yeah I mean for me it kind of sounds it kind of starts with bits of sound like bitty pieces of sound sometimes it Mm -hmm. starts with like 
well, an idea like the streetcar, you know, I was inspired by that. And I'm like, all right, well, how do we make the streetcar? How do we make a train like, you know, <laughs> kind of cool, kind of cool. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm immediately thinking about like soul train, the old show we I used to grow up watching in the barbershop. And I was like, okay, well that's cool. Like people are dancing and having fun and, um, you know, wearing funky outfits and getting lined up and going down the middle, dancing, doing cool stuff. So I'm like, all right, well, that kind of plays in the streetcar, right? It's a train. So let's do something like that where people, you know, would feel like it's a danceable, you know, people can dance to it. Um, and so for that, that song, that's basically my frame of mind and my immediate frame of mind uh, when I thought about the concept. But uh, when it came to the actual song itself, really it started with the bass line. So I had a, I had a, a loop on my computer that I, would, I was just going through bass lines, really. Um, and usually I don't really start with bass lines, so that that was that was interesting. Usually I start with the drums, but mm. I started with this bass line. I was like, do 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 do. I was like, okay, that sounds fun. It sounds like a cool ringtone, right? It's like ding 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 ding. It's like it just makes you like happy. So I started with that, and then really just at that point, drums, you know. And and I've been influenced by like house music for a while, and so like I I love like four to the floor, like boom boom boom, you know, just like danceable type of uh, beats and so I was like alright well that's gonna have to be four to the floor um, not really a house song like I don't want it to feel like electronic really I want it to feel like soulful and funky and kind of disco kind of like a crossover between like electronic hip hop and and, um, and and soul and uh, and funk and so you know really from there I just kind of started adding layers and I, I really did I did I did my best to kind of create the live feel but it didn't really t become alive until I reached out to my friend Lawrence Jackson, uh, who's a trumpet player and a, and a ranger, and he he wrote the horn lines and and then he said, "Well, the we got horns gotta... are amazing in that song." Oh yeah. my god, yeah, yeah they so they make the song right. <laughs> so he was like, "All right, well, um, sure, I can play trumpet on this, but like, why don't we? Why don't I write pieces for sax and uh, and trombone?" And so I'm like, "Okay, well, we got a little three piece section here." So once once that came. He hit me back with the horns, and I was like, oh, God, this is great. So I put it on top of my – I immediately took out my other shit, my other stuff. You'd Excuse my it, French. Yo, it's, it's all good. Yeah. I've said way worse. Yeah, totally. So I uh, I took that off and then um, put his horns on there, and then uh, I was like, okay, this bass line is cool, but it's like a you know two-bar loop. You know, it's, It doesn't have really have any movement to it. So then I reached out to my friend Dominique Sanders, who's now working directly with Dr. Dre and J. Cole and all these other okay. amazing artists right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he's 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 that guy. Mm. Um, he hits me back. I was like, well, I basically want this bass line, but I want it to feel alive. And so he did the whole thing from front to back just live, you know. And then I kind of cut some stuff up here and there and re rearranged it. But damn. Yeah, that gave that bass line is like critical to the like funkiness and the danceable aspect to it. And then at the very end, um, I noticed that my keys were like, all right, that's cool. But like, let me get a real key player. Like, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm pretty good. But like, I don't go out and perform. And, you know, I didn't go to school for 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 piano. So but I had my friend Eddie Moore, um, one of the best keyboard players in the world, really um, play just just some keys, just some random. He's like, <laughs> you know, it was just like like one bar. And I was just like, perfect. So then I threw that in there. And then Next thing I know, I got a hit. <laughs> That's amazing. Next thing you know, you got a hit. Yeah. yeah. It's a very deliberate and, and powerful process. Dude, piano, piano mm -hmm. is so, my wife plays piano. Kind of, she was like, took lessons as a kid-ish, but then kind of like the made from scratch. She just figures that she's got the, I don't, she does. She has yeah. the ear for it and can just hear something and then kind of figure it out. Yeah. Um, our 14-year-old our daughter now uh -huh. is 
and I'm, I just sit there and go, holy yeah. shit, it's gorgeous. I know. Man. Piano is Ten like, things going on at once. Oh, I'm like, how, crazy. like, how are your fingers doing that? Yeah. Like, how'd you... Um, and and there's and, and technology is so interesting now that she's she's like looking at an app uh-huh. on this on the on like on the little shelf whatever it's called on the piano. Yep. And it's sir it's almost like uh, serving her when the key stroke hits and and it's like this gorgeous classical music. I'm like this is kicking. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've seen uh, that app. It's cool. It was really fun. Yeah. Um so anyway, yeah, that that's uh, uh that's awesome, man. How how have you navigated the there's some beauty kind of in the, hey, I don't want a desk job guy, right? Mm-hmm. There's some, like, um, frontiersmen and some creator and build from scratcher, right? Yep. Like, let's let's yep. go let's go um, bring something to life that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a beautiful skill. Yeah. And terrifying, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, like, how do you practically, like, kind of juggle projects, priorities, yeah. Put food on the table, uh-huh. um, staying focused. Like, what's your what's some of your process around the way that you kind of architected this beautiful life of yours? Well, you know, for me, it wasn't really any other choice. You know, because I knew from the jump that you know I couldn't do a nine regular nine to five gig. And um, you know, it took me a while to embrace that. I kept trying. You know, I'm like, all right, well, you know, this. What's wrong with me? Like, mm. I've got to be able to do this, right? I can do anything else but this. <laughs> so mm. I, um, I, you know, I just really just kind of embraced it. And then, um, you know, upon reflection, just thinking about the way I grew up and, uh, and my dad, seeing my dad being an entrepreneur and having clients and it, like, that's, that's my, my, that was my classroom, right? Like yeah, that's right. having his clients come in and, and, you know, uh, him talking to them and then billing and yeah, you know, he had a secretary who helped him with some stuff and, so really, like, you know, um, and my mom didn't get a job, didn't get a job until I was, you know, like seven, eight or nine. And and I really didn't know what she did, honestly. <laughs> she just went to work and, you know, I never. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. So really, my classroom was more entrepreneurial. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that, you know, I've had some really great uh, mentors along the way that have really helped me kind of focus and fine tune what I'm doing and and uh, giving me some great advice, you know, I just got some advice, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was just like, you know, the best thing I learned how to do when I reached this level was just learn how to say no, Dude, because yeah. yes, yeah. when you say yes, and you really can't, you don't have the capacity for it, or, you know, really can't put out your best project, and it only creates more stress, and a fast no is much, you know, much mm-hmm. more worthy than a... So hard, <laughs> yes. it's so hard. Absolutely. Especially with some some level or... or uh, maybe this isn't you, but for mm-hmm. me, it's like, man, I'm, I deeply want to be a pleaser. I deeply yeah. want to. I deeply want to help. I deeply want you to uh, think I'm uh, receiving your cool and awesome invitation. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but the the yes is killing you. Maybe I know. You know. Yeah. So freaking hard. Yeah. So yeah. Hard. Or and maybe it's just a not right now. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. you just never know. Um, but yeah, no, I um, I've been I've been working on on that. T- I mean, it's a constant work in progress. That's for, for sure. sure. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say like I'm perfect at it. Um, but I will say the most important key um, for me though is just I've had a few situations where I realized that I can't do it all by myself and I can't do it well by myself. And, and in fact, when I work with other people, it's usually better. Yeah. And so, case in point, is with the streetcar song. I could have totally done all of that just me. Um, but I wound up having like eight other musicians on that. And Mm so you really, at the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, that collaboration is not only key for 
the creative, like getting out your creative dreams, but it's also key to scaling and that's right. and 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 doing more than one project. Yep. So really, just kind of building my team, and so I uh, started a. Um, you know, LLC in 2018 called nice. Kemet Creative. And nice. when I started, I was just the bucket. I put every, <laughs> everything in. Yes. <laughs> Running through this. Thing. Right. Yeah. This, it's just Kemet Creative, whatever. But over the years, it's really become, you know, a, uh, a creative director for uh, urban real estate projects, really. Because, you know, I realized that it's like, no, there's not a lot of other people, especially in Kansas City's east side, that uh, focus on marketing, you know, real estate marketing. Mm. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's interesting. And I had another, uh, another, you know, mentor tell me is like, uh, sometimes you don't know what your company will become until you start getting your clients and then that's right. they start identifying what they need from you. And then, you know, at some point you're going to realize like, well, let's just focus on what's bringing in the, and bringing yep. in the dough. Yep. Uh, and also, especially if that parallels with what you're passionate mm-hmm. about. So, um, so Kim and creative, uh, you know, creative direction. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. Urban real estate, East of truth. Mm-hmm. What's that mean to you? Like how, how, like what's, what have you said yes to and started to bring to life in that specific vein? Yeah. I mean, I would say, uh, my first kind of my first project, um, out of the gate was, uh, a project on 39th in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called ingenuity. And, uh, I had a uh, friend of mine now who, you know, acquired the space and was like, you know, I really want to, I want this to become a hub for mm. black innovation on Kansas City's east side. And it's, it's not along like truth. Like mm. Indiana is uh, like five blocks yeah. west of, or east of east. Prospect. Yeah. So this is not a gentrifying area at all. This is definitely deep east Kansas City. And that was something I really wanted to do. I really wanted to have um, uh, impact on the Troost uh, corridor because that's a gentrifying neighborhood. Um, and then I also wanted uh, 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 a place in a, in a very distressed neighborhood where we can be a catalyst. Um, so that was one of the first projects I'm working on, I've, I've worked on. And, that's and awesome. Yeah, so now, and, and actually, yeah, just as of yesterday, we uh, got one of our first uh, tenants. He's a um, videographer and cool. uh, photographer, and he's building you know, green screens and all these different places and it's going to be tight. So in my office is in there and, um, also the brewery, um, is where that's kind of where we started as well is in that space as well. So I'm trying to make it just this, like this place where all these ideas can spin off and Mm -hmm. eventually everybody can move and do whatever they want. But like, this is kind of the ground kind of incubator type of thing. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm sure, you know, Chris good. Okay. I I just met him yesterday and, and dude, that guy, I'm like, Holy crap! Talking yeah. talking about impact uh-huh. and being the in, in the way you know he would describe the first healthy business east of Truce right. for and, and as a black owned yeah. guy who's like selling stuff at um, at Whole Foods mm-hmm. and I mean I'm like this yeah. dude yeah like come on man what yeah a, no Chris uh, is Chris is a good friend of mine we definitely bounce mm-hmm. things off mm-hmm. off each other we try to get input we try to represent each other in different rooms when we're not there and. Yeah, Chris is Chris is definitely that guy. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So tell us about the brewery. Like, where where are you at on it? What is it? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 such a cool concept. Yeah. So uh, the brewery is as of you know today, which is April first. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be uh, we will be open. Uh, we're shooting for a September early September, like first week of September, grand opening. Love it. We'll probably have some soft openings before then. But in the meantime, we're doing a, a slew of collaborations with other breweries in town. I'm approaching it kind of like music, you know, like 
here's a beat. Can you rap on it? <laughs> like, here's a beat. Can you do play sax on it? That's kind of how we're approaching it the same way. And so, you know, as we do these collaborations with other breweries, we're making sure that we um, also spread that love that, um, you know, that we that we would put into our own brand. And so, you know, making sure all of those things are uh, tied up with our with our brand and, and making sure the audience reach those as well. But, you know, so we, we've got uh, collaborations with uh, Strange Days that just got came out. We did Red Crow cool. uh, that just came out. We've got a number of them coming up. So. And what's the name for those who don't know? Like, what's the name? Where's the location? Like, what's the what's the practical? That would um, be important. Real estate. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I know, but yeah. I'd, love, I, I'd love for you to. It's your it's your story. Yeah, the brewery's called Vine Street Brewing mm-hmm. Company. Mm-hmm. It'll be located at two thousand Vine Street, mm-hmm. which is two blocks south of uh, obviously Eighteenth and Vine, and two blocks south of the Blue Room. Um, so yeah, across the street from the castle, it's in a 150 year old building, Damn. sits on almost two acres. We'll have a beer garden. We'll have two tap rooms, um, a little system, a little seven barrel guy, wish we have, wish we had more capacity, but you know, hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> How'd you get into the, the, the brewery space? Well, in 2013, one of those jobs that I took as uh, a Boulevard, yeah. yeah, Boulevard. Yeah. Um, that's the first time I ever knew anything about beer. Mm-hmm. I knew that, um, you know, I, I, before that, I guess I kind of liked, I kind of liked, um, like Corona, uh, not really Corona, honestly, but <laughs> all right. I guess I kind of like it. It was fine. But like, I was drinking like Only Red Stripe. Yeah, exactly. With the lime. Red Stripe, uh, Modelo, um, mostly lagers. And there were a few that I liked, but there was a lot I didn't like, you know. And so when I got to Boulevard, I was like, well, I don't really like beer, but yeah. this this company seems cool really, yeah, yeah, the brand yeah. is cool. It also, like, you know, I knew that um, beer worked, uh, goes really well with music. Um, so I knew that it, maybe if I had some ideas, they might listen. You know, th- yeah. it was definitely a cool gig. So. Um, that's initially how I got in the space and really was just a tour guide and um, wind up being kind of one of the first like paid tour guides because they were uh, they they initially had volunteers to be yeah. tour guides. And so when I worked there, I learned all, of the, you know, a lot about the brewing process and all the different styles of beer and learned how to how to how to pour a beer, how to try a beer. Mm-hmm. And I was just I looked around. I was like, oh, I'm the only black guy here. <laughs> I'm the only black person here. Yeah. So um mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if Kim Coleman likes beer, um, mm-hmm. why wouldn't, you know, my, my you know, my yep. friends and my yep. family, why wouldn't they like beer too? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I got in the space. So when, when um, we depart, we parted ways in 2014, you know, I still had the bug, you know, up here. I'm like, okay, I really want to create a space where, like, I can bring people together and introduce beer to a demographic of folks who haven't had beer in thousands of years because beer actually started in Africa and a lot of people don't know that in ancient uh. Egypt. And so my, my name actually means was the original name of Egypt. No way. Kemet. Yeah. So the, Amazing. yeah, that was what the Egyptians called themselves is Kemet. No so, way. so I was like, that's Oh, that's, so cool. that, that's so cool. That's got to play in somewhere. So yeah, that's kind of, you know, the brief inspiration behind it. That's amazing. How I think you've got two partners in that specific mm-hmm. project. How did you meet those guys? What's their skill set? Like, how are you, how are you guys kind of uh, going to operationalize the concept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the first partner, the first person I met that, we, that became partners was uh, Woody Bonds mm-hmm. and Woody um, started a beer festival called hip hops. Hooray. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. It's brilliant. Yeah. It yeah, was awesome. It's a good name. The concept was great. It was, uh, it was like several DJs, in different spaces and like several breweries just, um, 
you know, passing out beer and, and telling and sharing beer with people. It was like really cool, super diverse, mm. um, a concept I'd never seen in Kansas City. So I said, if I were to ever start a brewery, I want to do it with this guy because mm. not only you know is beer cool, but you know if he likes music like I do, then we got to do this together. So that's how I met Woody, and Woody's also a home brewer and uh, has cool. a pretty good following here in Kansas City in the home brew scene. And so, um, you know, there's a long story that I can tell, but essentially, you know, this time about a year and a half ago, I reached out to Woody and said, you know, um, I've been thinking about my future and I keep seeing a brewery in my future for some reason. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm crazy enough. I'm, I'm young enough to where I'm like, I can <laughs> do, roll the dice. A I can, bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm young enough. I can make crazy decisions yeah. like this, but I'm yeah. old enough to where you better do it. Yeah, like, that's right. or just don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> that's right. So, um, so I told him about it and it was his dream too, to open up a brewery. And I think mm. he'd been approached a few times, but, um, mm. didn't work out. And so he thought about it and then he got back with me and said about a couple of days later and said, um, you know, uh, I've been thinking about it, you know, I, I think if I'm going to do this and I, and then I'm going to have to do it with Elliot. Um, and Elliot Ivory is our other partner. And, you know, when he told me, I was just like, Hey, listen, that's great. You know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not a brewer and I'm not going to pretend to be one. So if you've got a partner that's also a brewer, I think that's going to be awesome. That's cool. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he brought, um, Elliot in and, and their styles are completely different. You know, Elliot's more, um, he, his style is more clean, crisp, uh, light, consistent, um, just very approachable. I call his style like crushable because it's just like <laughs> clean, crisp, and yeah, crushable. Right. Um, Woody's style is way more adventurous. Like he will, he will that's mix awesome. ingredients that you just didn't even think to ever think to put Great in front fruit. of each other. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> not even, I mean, whatever, crazy. Yeah. I'm talking about like pickle juice and like what? pickle juice and grapes and spices and stuff. And yeah, I mean like Damn. Woody's way out there when it comes to his styles, <laughs> but that's the fun part, right? So yeah. those two challenge each other all the time. So that middle ground is like really awesome. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. How, why, why 20th and vine? Why now? Like what's happening in that part of our city? That's, um, that's cool and worth your attention and focus. Yeah, I mean, to me, twentieth or to me, eighteenth mm. and Vine, the jazz district in general is just the most sacred real estate here in Kansas City, and um, I don't think it has been uh, positioned as such uh, for quite some time, mm. and uh, obviously has uh, you know suffered through the effects of uh, suburbanization and and uh, you know geographic racism. There's a lot of factors that pay, that played into um, how that area hasn't really been preserved in the way that it should have been or could could have been. Um, and I think uh, the city has done a lot in uh, to try to re revitalize the area um, as a governmental development agency. And I think now we're starting to see some private dollars come in. And uh, and so I think those are these are the times when when people who have a dynamic understanding of real estate development and urbanization and just, um, you know, all of these things and culture, um, you know, I think these, this is the time when we all need to step up. And so, uh, you know, to create a better 2000, to, to create a better 18th and Vine uh, district. And um, as some, someone as African-American and, 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 you know, as a grew up on jazz music and, and, and grew up going to jazz museum, seeing Buck O'Neill walk around in the Negro leagues and all that stuff. I was just like, there's no, this is a no brainer. Like this is absolutely no brainer. And so as also as an urbanist and someone who studied urban studies, you know, the preservation side of, of saving old buildings is also, um, you know, very important to me. And so I really didn't, uh, consider any other option for this particular concept uh, because of where we are in that, and you know, kind of that inflection point here 
um, you know, in, in 18th and Vine. And so it was a very um, compelling, uh, compelling. The, our building was very compelling. You know, it was Kansas City's original water and uh, street department buildings built over 150 years ago. Damn. They've been abandoned for 40 years. There was It's a, been vacant 40 years. Yeah. Damn. Been vacant 40 years. There were trees growing inside of the building, mm. going through the roof. There used to be a streetcar stored inside one of these buildings that fell through the floor. Ollie Gates owns it. It was the original Vine Street streetcar. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, in that hole, those two holes that that streetcar put in the floor, we're actually keeping there so that you can look down on the brew house. Uh, That's awesome. As we brew, yeah. As a, you know, if you're at the tap room, you can look down at the at the brew house. It's going to be it's going to be sick. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. There's so many, like, connected thoughts that are bouncing around in my brain. But, like, mm-hmm. you talk about trumpets and 18th and Vine. Yeah. And if you, you – you, I don't think anybody can sit and listen and watch Lonnie McFadden play the trumpet and do tap dancing on a, on a stage and go, holy hell. That's, yeah. like – that's, like, ridiculously – I mean – It's next to, level. To, to be, like – dramatic it's spiritual it's a Mm -hmm. spiritual experience to watch that guy perform and to know like his dad rolled with count basie right you know like to go hey that's like that's that's just not cool that's like profound yes that's like pivotal (laughs) yeah um and 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 i can't even begin to put myself in your shoes but to Mm -hmm. think about how deeply um how how deeply divisive that street has been. Yeah. Not not 18th Divine, but yeah, the true, true street. Yeah. And and to to know like holy crap, like how amazing this energy and this these resources and these people and guys like you and 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 we we get to like I mean I, I pinch myself every day when I get on a call with Bob Kendrick and Keanu <laughs> Sink. So we get yeah. to work on their brand. Nice. And yeah. and we get to help tell the story. And I'm like, man, I <laughs> Don't tell my board this. Like I would do that for free, yeah, forever. Because right, it's right. like I get to learn. I get to. Right. I get to understand and walk right. those halls and and hear Bob's stories and see Kiana, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. literally weep when Buck gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Jeremy, who you know, Jeremy's like he's he's just such a masterful storyteller. Yes, he's like why why did why does a mid twenties black woman. Uh-huh. cry about a guy who she never met and died 15 years ago. Why? Right, right. And it's like, well, of course we know that we, we know kind of the, the storylines and the threads and mm-hmm. um, it's just, dude, it's really cool. It's cool yeah. to sit in your presence and it's neat to see um, that part of our city, like yeah. not be like the, you know, the, the, and we've talked about this with Bob and Kiana a little bit, but like museums, um, they, 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 they preserve mm-hmm. their word that it, it preserves the legacy. Right. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't also ma- maintain its relevance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then it literally becomes like forgotten. Yes. <laughs> Those stories become forgotten and, yes. and to see movement into and, and businesses coming around and, um, mm-hmm. you know, trees getting removed out of the inside of buildings. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, seriously. Great damn job, bro. Like yeah. it's just awesome. Thanks. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of movement happening in 18th and Vine, um, and so um, you know I, I I think I think when we think about um, development, we think about uh, outside capital coming into uh, you know under you know served areas, particularly um, you know there's definitely a double edged sword that uh, that occurs much like everything, and so um, you know a lot of people uh, you know <clears throat> will say the word gentrification and 
yes, technically, you know, outside capital coming into an area is gentrification. How do we at that point leverage that outside capital so that it can continue to spread around, uh, you know, those particular parts of town? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. I, I, I think it's very important work. In fact, I'm, 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 I'm putting my hat on, you know, 18th and Vine area just because not only is it important for Kansas City, but it's important history, American history, because when you go around the world, they think of 18th and Vine. You know, sure. when you go to Japan, they're thinking about Charlie Parker and 18th and Vine. You know, you go anywhere in the world. And so, uh, you know, if we if we if if, if it's. If it's not what people expect, if they're expecting more, then we should give them more. Not just tours, but also people here in Kansas City. Um, you know, and that that was the other appealing thing about, <coughs> excuse me, okay. two thousand vine uh, for our our um, brewery was. I think you know, eighteen the vine is an area that attracts tourists. It attracts locals, um, and it attracts what I call um, uh, folks. You know, local visitors, basically, folks who mm-hmm. haven't been downtown in a while, yeah, you know, because right. Kansas City has a metro of 2.5 million people, a little over that, actually. And so, you know, we're sitting here in Liberty, you know, sometimes you don't make it downtown, Absolutely. right? But you want to have a place yeah. that represents the best of Kansas City. And I think 18th and Vine does. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's wonderful. Dude, I could ask you a million more questions, um, but I want to be, <laughs> we'll have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, the last question before we wrap, and, and I'd, I'd just be, you know, curious to hear what comes to mind for you, but, you know, t- 10-year-old Kemet who is growing up in KC, dad comes home and says, I'm a preacher now, yeah. son, yeah. buckle up, <laughs> yeah. um, to the today version of, of you as you as dad of those kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what what will, I know it's impossible to, to, to predict fully, but like, what's your vision when, when you're... 13, seven and five. So did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, when, when that five-year-old's your age doing stuff yeah. in this city, like what's this city look like? Like what, what do we have um, on the horizon to be excited about, to look forward to, to be mm-hmm. concerned about? Like what, what, what's the, what yeah. I know you're a visionary guy too. So like, what's the vision um, look like for the next 15, 20 years? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I see, I see, I mean, I immediately think about transportation. I was just telling my kids the other day uh, about, like, they were asking about driving, and I drive way too much, way more than I want to. Um, But I said, you know, maybe when you guys get, um, become my age, like, there'll be a streetcar, you might not even need a car, right? That might be the future of Kansas City, and that's where I hope we're going. And so I'm definitely uh, doing what I can to try to push the streetcar authority and say, all right. Just go north, south. Yeah, yeah, exactly, east, west. And they're working on it. They're talking about it. Um, and so, you know, really having that built, rebuilding that, that, that infrastructure for public transit and mixes of public transit, uh, are going to be critical and I think will eventually happen. Um, so I think that's going to be how Kansas City changes. I think truce is going to be, uh, it's going to blow up, you know, Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be, um, I think it's going to be, uh, the dividing line, I think has already moved to prospect, I think uh, Paseo uh, has uh, already, you know, seen a lot of investment come in. Um, and so I think Prospect is going to be uh, the line that will be uh, when my kids are my age. Um, and so, you know, how we come together as a city, that's our biggest challenge, I yeah. think. Okay. So those are going to be the opportunities, um, you know, and the challenges that they're going to be facing is how do we come together as a, as a city. But I also think that, you know, transit is such a huge, important part of that. You know, mobility is tied to wealth. It's tied to um, 
It's tied to uh, uh, innovation. It's tied to it's tied to almost everything that makes a city tick. And so when people have to be in their cars, uh, that's when innovation dies, you know, really, if you think about it. And so I think getting out of cars is going to be pretty critical. I also uh, feel like downtown is going to blow up, um, you know, for sure, especially in 2030. Uh, hopefully when the downtown, uh, when, when the Royals come downtown. Uh, 18th Divine, I think, is going to be robust. Yep. Um, I think uh, areas pretty much everywhere downtown, midtown, uh, will be uh, there's going to be a lot more density. Um, so yeah, and then I think um, our next step really is how to connect the north uh, land with uh, downtown as well. Um, and I think a streetcar is going to play a big role in that. I think eventually a streetcar will go to the airport, and along those you know those nodes, you'll have yeah. different pockets where people can uh, where development will happen. And yeah. you know I think hopefully that'll be the bridge. Yeah. That's so, awesome, man. Yeah. So well said. Uh, so well said. And I appreciate your perspective and wisdom and, and generous, generous spirit towards what we're, what, what you and others are doing, man. It's really cool. All right. Final five. Cause I, I'll pick your brain all damn day. <laughs> um, last or an impactful book that you've read or listened to. Oh man, that's, uh, that, that's, I got a lot of them actually, but I would say the book that I keep coming back to is just 48 laws of power by Robert Green. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep coming back to different, you know, I have situations that might happen in my career professionally. Um, and I think about the ways in which, um, I should respond, um, whether that's immediately or long-term. Uh, and that book definitely influences me a lot. I would say the biggest book that influenced me over my, over my life though, is the Bible. I mean, I grew up reading the King James version of the Bible when my parents would go to Butler, Missouri for church. Like my dad would help me get him ready by reading verses and you know uh so yeah my uh my love of language my love of reading excuse me um came mostly from the bible um awesome yeah and then invisible man by ralph ellison Mm. is another uh fantastic novel uh that i actually named an album after Mm. um uh, that came out in 2017 um and that one's another one that just like really hits home um yeah there's several that's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, you're a you're a sharp dressed young man, uh, so you probably don't wear lots of t-shirts. But when you do, yeah, uh, what's your favorite t-shirt? Uh, actually, I I have a lot of t-shirts. Um, I have my favorite t-shirt is probably my Vine Street Brewing Co. t-shirt right now. Uh, you buy it online too. Yeah, you I can saw. buy. Yeah. Yep, I was buy like, them. Damn. I was like, damn it. There goes <laughs> another thirty-five. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely buying one of those. Yeah, yeah. So that one is. But then I have. Um, I. I I like my t-shirts to be like breweries because um, I have a I have a t-shirt from Brooklyn Brewery, um, which uh, I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, Garrett Oliver was like the other black dude that I knew that was a brewmaster. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I went and visited there and I got a t-shirt that's been just part of my body. That's sweet. So have you got in your brewery tours? Have you checked out the uh, the three hands folks up here? They've they, they've only been they've been here a couple of years now. Not yet. Um, the the old rock and run. Oh yeah. Building and they they do a great job, man. Okay. So jousting pigs barbecue and three hands. Oh three yeah. halves. Sorry. It's okay. Not three hands. Yeah. It's three halves. I was gonna say I know four hands is in St. Louis. Yeah. Duh. Okay. I'm an idiot. I'm gotcha. the wrong. I'm the wrong guy to ask for beer advice. Um, number three. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Like right now. Uh, I would probably. I, I would have been an astronaut. Whoa. Yeah. I really want to go to space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be possible in your lifetime. Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, I'd be old probably, but, yeah. and I'd have to be super rich, but <laughs> <laughs> you're on the path. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. But either that or like skydiving, I have like, uh, mm. you know, um, 
I won't say like a, I, it's not a fear of heights, but it's definitely like, I don't like the feeling of coming down quickly. No, that sucks. Yeah. Like roller coasters, I'm out, you know, <laughs> I, I'm done. Like, you know, so I'm slowly, I'm trying to overcome a lot of my fears and a lot of these fears are from childhood. And so I'm 35 at this point. I'm like, all right, dude, like, come on, what, what's the problem here? So I'm, I've been slowly reintroducing myself to, to, to taking on some of those fears and, you know, heights and falling is one of those from great heights. Uh-huh. So yep. skydiving, all yep. that stuff. Yep. We'll yeah. have to go to space. That's amazing. I yeah. did not know that. Yep. Uh, favorite place on earth is? <sighs> that's a tough one. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know if I could choose just one, honestly. I what are a few? What comes to mind? Uh, I mean, Kansas City. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kansas City is one of them. Uh, I would also say I really enjoy New York. I love going there just to get re-inspired, reactivated. It's just a place where you can be anonymous and be, you know, singular at the same time. So uh, I love New the York. The energy in New York is insane. It it's is. so cool. Yeah, it is. And I couldn't live there. I couldn't. I, yeah, I don't think I would want to live there, but I love mm-hmm. going to visit and walking around and being a part of a city where I don't have to have a car. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Cairo is was probably mm-hmm. the most impactful, like, international trip I've ever taken going to because my name is yeah first yeah. name of egypt right yeah and so to see uh and then i named my daughter taya queen after queen taya she Love was it. queen king tut's uh grandmother and Love there's it. a gigantic statue of, of taya and so i took a picture of it and i was just like oh that's cool that's you taya so oh, that's so, so yeah cairo was definitely uh an amazing experience and then luxor where the um you know the uh, all the tombs and uh valley of the kings and uh, all that stuff was down there, and it was just a beautiful, serene moment. Mm-hmm. And I got to, I got to uh, be on a uh, felucca down the Nile, just super peaceful, and see the sunset. And Amazing. it was just the most. I was just like, I would love to just die here. <laughs> like this is where <laughs> I want to die. That? When did you go there? Twenty nineteen. Okay. And I got yeah. back. Oh, we got back and got super sick. So I think it was COVID. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. That's wild. Yep. Uh, when it's all said and done, man, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah, I think I just want to help Kansas City, like, understand, you know, its potential and its history. Um, And then, you know, really just helping to redefine that cultural identity here in Kansas City. I mean, I just feel like it's such an important piece. You ask Bob Kendrick, you know, like, like any of these stories that he can just rattle off so flawlessly. And it makes you think of a different city. And it's like, no, that was actually Kansas City. This is soaked into the soil of the city. And so um, really just want to enhance that cultural identity here in Kansas City, but also want to help other cities, you know, do the same thing uh, as they continue to, you know, figure out ways to connect with their communities and really just um, understanding their history, their rich history as well, and American history. And ultimately, you know, just um, I'm obviously a big fan of, um, you know, the motherland and Africa and, you know, how that applies to our, our, our American music and, and how, uh, and our cuisine and, and really just helping people understand, you know, the, the beauty and all of that. That's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm all about. Damn, dude. Damn. Yeah. Come on. Yep. <laughs> you got my, I'm in. I'm, Let's go. Uh, creative director of KC, Tim <laughs> Coleman. Uh, where can people follow along in your journey, man? Um, you know, you can just follow me directly like on Instagram, Kimmett Coleman. Um, but if you want to follow my projects, look at, uh, 2000 vine, uh, look at, uh, vine street brewing company, look at ingenuity, um, look at Kimmett creative, look at Trustival. Um, yeah, I think those are, those, are, those, to are, today. those are my big ones. Yeah. <laughs> my man. Thanks and the so fantastics. much. Fantastics. Yes. What's the fantastic? That's my band. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. 
Because yep. you were Kim at the Phantom mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Was that the part of the part of the? I, we didn't even go there. We didn't even like, go there. Yeah, uh, we got to have a part two. Okay, all right, part two. Deal. Yeah, deal. Yep. You got to come back. Yeah, um, my friend. Thanks so much. Actually, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Dude. Yeah, thanks. As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.